This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? You know... (laughs) We were just standing on our balcony for a few minutes, and that was just delightful. It really so was. So I'm going to go with I'm delighted. Yeah. It, it In the general scope of horror, <laughs> that's getting better. There's light at the end of the horror tunnel. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, we, we just had a very pleasant time before we sat down and recorded, which is great. Yeah. 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 Because I, I had What's one of that? those uh, roller coaster up and down days. Uh, myself, uh, almost just not even in relationship to external events, just inside there was a roller coaster, which I think a lot of people are feeling, so I don't yeah. mind saying. No, we understand those days. Yes, we do. So we're doing pretty good. We've yeah. been on roller coasters, and it, it, one just went up. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So we are going to have, I think, a fun discussion for this particular episode <laughs> of Obsessed. Uh, as I mentioned, almost every episode, we try to do a lot of different kinds of things from really true, deep, lifelong obsessions to just talking about uh, a, a thing that we're obsessed with in the moment to pop culture things. This episode is just is a pop culture thing. And I mm-hmm. have some level of, of obsession with it, uh, but I don't think it's a particularly deep obsession we're going to talk about the film Godzilla vs. Kong, which was recently released in theaters and on HBO Max. And I'm excited to talk about it, but I'm almost more excited to talk about our caveats. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot. We have a lot. Do you want to start? Do you have some caveats you want to share? Oh, um, sure. Absolutely. Let me let me start some caveats. Um, caveat number one, we've watched the movie once. Yeah. And it was not today. (laughs) (laughs) So there will be some things I've forgotten already. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is I have uh, uh, the experience of knowing that we have a great audience for Obsessed who reach out if there's like something like, hey, what about that? Uh, But rarely uh, correct us or are, you know, sort of pedantic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is an episode where we are not claiming any great knowledge. Sometimes when we talk about a pop culture thing like a movie, it's something that I know a lot about or I'm like, I really want to make sure I get everything right. So I look up all the names. Mm -hmm. The names I know for this film are Godzilla and King Kong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle Chandler, the actor, was in the movie. I have no idea who the character's name was. So we are really approaching and discussing this as we watched the big popcorn fun monsters punching each other movie and we're going to talk about that experience this is not coming from a place (laughs) of uh deep knowledge or research much like some of the choices that the humans made in the film that's a really good point and also a very good caveat (laughs) thank you thank you the other caveat will be that you very kindly went out and bought us a great belgian beer that i have had half of one Mm-hmm. already and i'm having so much fun <laughs> it's a very high alcohol volume and it's a very delicious it's uh aged in in bourbon barrels bourbon barrels and it's a just a great belgian beer mm-hmm. aged in bourbon barrels delicious great beer 
in which to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, so let's go back to, as we often do, kind of the beginning. Godzilla versus Kong is obviously just its own movie. Mm-hmm. It is the uh, fourth film in this new monster verse. Uh, there was uh, Godzilla mm-hmm. in 2014, which uh, you and I saw in the theater with some friends. And there was a Kong Skull Island, which I saw alone in the theater. <laughs> Maybe some of the people there will be future friends. I don't know yet. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And then there was Godzilla, colon, King of Monsters, which I did not see. And I, I don't believe that you went out and saw I it without telling me. Did not see either. <laughs> and then uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, so there's this kind of modern monster verse that's been brewing. But obviously, uh, big monsters, King Kong. Kaiju, Godzilla from the whole kaiju tradition, have been a thing for a long time. What is your relationship just with that genre? Did you see any (laughs) kaiju or big monsters or King Kong movies growing up? What's your relationship with that genre? I had heard of Godzilla and King (laughs) Kong. I had seen pictures or very short moving clips of them. By moving clips, I mean like a 10-second clip of... King Kong in a tall building or Godzilla doing something. And I (laughs) know people who... Making fettuccine, yeah. You know, like you do. I know people who absolutely love them, but that is about the entirety of my uh, understanding of them or experience of them until we saw the 2014 movie. Okay. So, like, before we saw the 2014 movie, if there were just a lineup of lizards, could you pick Godzilla out of the lineup? I mean, if Godzilla was the only big one. <laughs> if they weren't to scale, like just <laughs> zoomed in on a gecko. Yeah, no. Okay, all right. And now, the Godzilla movie we saw in 2014, I don't think either of us super enjoyed it, right? Nope. Okay, do you, I know this is, uh, if, if you're like, I don't remember, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, do you remember why you didn't enjoy it? Um, so here's what I remember about it. And, and this is obviously, uh, as always, no offense to people who loved it. Exactly. Um. I sometimes have a hard time with films that have a lot of destruction. Right. Without, um, without when I don't feel like I, like so, there's a lot of films that I like that have a lot of destruction, but there's, I understand the purpose of why there is that destruction. And I just felt like there was a lot of, my takeaway from it, from what I remember now, many years later, is a lot of destruction. Right. Without, I, I mean, I remember some nice things too, but I, I don't remember walking away and going like, oh, why was I not watching these movies earlier? I was just kind of like, okay, I've seen that. A little too much destruction and just not quite my style. Yeah, and I think this is, in some ways, uh, this is a great simplification, but this is at the heart of the kaiju movie experience. There are kaiju movies that, in big monster movies, that make you super aware of the destruction because it's a part of the story, mm-hmm. right? If they're using the monsters as a metaphor, uh, the original Godzilla is really wrestling with um, post-nuclear devastation Japan. So it is wrestling with those ideas. Mm-hmm. So the destruction is a part of the story. Yeah. So there are kaiju movies that want to make you feel the destruction because it's a part of the story. And there are kaiju movies where it's like, don't worry about it because this is about fun big monsters are punching each other and don't worry too much about the people in the building because this is not a super realistic film. Mm -hmm. And my memory of that Godzilla movie from 2014 is that it was a movie that in my mind at the time, and again also, no no offense to people who enjoyed it, 
was really working the the ideas and really taking Godzilla very seriously um, and kind of dour to me and spent a lot of time with the humans and their relationships and making you care about them. So then when Godzilla kind of in a dour way kind of had to smash some buildings to prove a thematic point, you you, you were kind of thinking more about the human perspective mm-hmm. than the fun of a lizard's just kicking ass and some buildings are falling over. Oh, yeah. Um, I would. That's a very good clarification. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think that is, and that's been a big part of the discussion of Godzilla versus Kong, uh, because Kong Skull Island definitely made you feel for Kong, and it definitely had some stakes, and it it, it definitely let you get to know the humans, but it still had a little bit. It had like uh, definitely one foot into this is bonkers and fun, and we're going to use bright weird colors, and this is going to be bonkers and fun. But Godzilla versus Kong throughout from its sort of marketing from the way people were talking about it it was this is going to get back to the tradition of this is weird and fun Mm -hmm. and it you know kind of going on the opposite end of the 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 kaiju spectrum yeah (laughs) from that 2014 godzilla yeah yeah so that was like a big part of it of like it's fun don't worry it's fun which uh you know not to jump right to the end but totally worked yeah, well, <laughs> the end. We're just going to talk about our previous experiences, and then right at the end of the podcast, we'll get to talking about the film we're claiming we're talking about. Um, yeah, so for myself, uh, I am not a super big kaiju expert. I have fans who are, who are just like all in, can tell me everything about every monster, every uh, thematic element, and, and every actor who ever wore the Godzilla suit and all that. Uh, I am not an expert at that level. But I think I had a, I, I think I really attached to it at a young age i've talked a lot in uh recent podcasts about feeling like the actual world that i was growing up in was kind of beige in every way uh literally and sometimes emotionally beige Mm -hmm. or scary um in the late 70s early 80s so i really glommed onto anything that was fantastic Mm -hmm. and and different uh and very young when when we lived in uh portland oregon the library showed movies i think it was on saturday and they showed King Kong a couple times, the original one. Oh, wow. And that got in early and deep. And, you know, King Kong is one of those kind of movies where that original King Kong is like you could write essays about everything it means. But also just as a child, you don't need to be able to articulate it. You just feel first fear of King Kong and then empathy for King Kong. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic and weird and, and amazing. And so I've always loved King Kong because of that youthful experience. Um and I think I saw some Godzilla movies on like just like Saturday afternoon on television, but I was realizing for both of them, there was this series of monster books uh, that I know I've also uh, banged on uh, on the podcast about before. Uh, the their Crestwood was the publisher. They were orange and black, and I've talked about them so often. I looked them up. They're incredibly expensive, at least on Amazon, because I think other people like me were like. Didn't get to see all the horror movies, Mm -hmm. but check these books out from the library and have these formative memories. So, like, they kind of told you the story of the movies, but they're also, like, histories. So, like, this is, you know, I read a lot about, there's a Dracula one, and there's a Wolfman one, and there's a Frankenstein one. But there's also a Godzilla and a King Kong. Oh, nice. And, like, when I was old enough to read, I was like, oh, I want to check out the one about King Kong. And, like, I've kind of heard, you know, I've probably seen or heard you know, about Godzilla. So I want to know about him. So I checked those books out from the library and read a lot about him and looked at the, you know, the, the pictures and, and sort of 
fantasized about it. So even though I didn't get to see a ton of these movies as a kid, they lived in my imagination, mm-hmm. you know, and they lived, I think, along. They were the fantasy version of this strange reality that dinosaurs were real. And here's like this fantasy version of like, not exactly what if the dinosaurs came back, but an element of that yeah. with uh, with Godzilla and King Kong. So they have always lived in my imagination and I have had kind of a hunger in the re- in recent years uh, to to have that to experience that f- sense of the fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we saw that Godzilla movie in 2014, it had that sense of depth, that sense of you know what is, you know what's the responsibility of being Godzilla? It was just it was a very serious movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting that sense of fun. And our friends that we saw it with also felt the same way. And I remember after that movie, this is how much it's burned in my memory. After we saw that movie, you and I went shopping at the Trader Joe's in Hollywood (laughs) that has a bunch of uh, paintings of various famous Hollywood figures Mm -hmm. uh, hawking Trader Joe's brands. Right. And one of them is Godzilla. And I think he's like breathing fire on peanuts or something. I can't remember what the mural is. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, my friend was texting me about, like, I did not get the full Godzilla experience I wanted. And I remember taking a picture of <laughs> the mural of Godzilla at Trader Joe's and sending it to him. And, like, yeah. Godzilla burning nuts, that's closer to the experience I wanted. <laughs> so I've been hungering for the specific, not that I'm against the thoughtful version, mm-hmm. or certainly, like, the original Godzilla is is amazing. I haven't seen it in many years, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hungering for the... It's fun. It's big monsters punching each other. Yeah. Version of these movies in a, for a long time. So mm-hmm. I was primed for this movie. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my youthful kaiju experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of that was new to me. Oh, good. As your as your partner's mouse. <laughs> Do you remember going to uh, Trader Joe's after seeing Godzilla in twenty fourteen? Oh no, that part I remember. I meant this part about when you were a little kid. <laughs> I wasn't there for those parts. <laughs> no, you were not. Sadly, that would have been great. Okay, well, let's get into then the present. Yeah. What was your overall reaction to the movie Godzilla vs Kong? I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I. I I felt I felt emotions, I felt joy, I felt distress. There was a lot of building destruction, but also it was there was a reason for it that was clear. That's really I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but um, the focus wasn't on the building destruction. The focus was on the fights that were causing it, and so therefore. It was much more about kind of, um, you know, those interactions rather than, oh, look, more buildings are destroyed. So um, so that part didn't bug me, which it sometimes does. Yeah. um, As I mentioned, Uh, there are some really cool ideas in it. There are some really fun actors in it. um, And it's a cavalcade of stars. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my gosh, I just how do you not want to be friends with Kong after that movie? <laughs> the movie really went out of its way to make you like Kong, whether you've seen any other King Kong film. Yeah. And we will definitely talk about that because that was one of the big things that I was interested in in this. Um, yeah. Any You have listed several emotions 
<laughs> I have them all. <laughs> you have them all. So it, the movie successfully made you feel for Kong. Were you invested by the end? Were you concerned when Godzilla and Kong were initially fighting? And then, uh, spoilers, this will be full spoilers. Yeah. And then Mecha Godzilla shows up. Were you invested in who wins? Like, were you emotionally invested? Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so between uh, so between Godzilla and Kong, I, I really wanted to find a way for them to work together. <laughs> which they kind of did, which, which we'll did. also talk about. We'll talk about. Um, so, But I wanted them to win, not the Mecha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you were I like, very screw you, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Okay. Good. Excellent. And was it, do you think your investment in the characters that made you enjoy the actual like big fight? Oh, actually, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think for a lot of people, you know, I can't tell how much people were joking on Twitter because it's a common kaiju complaint of too much time with the humans and how much people were serious. But like for a lot of people who are approaching this is like, this is a fun bucket of popcorn movie. A giant ape's going to punch a giant lizard. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, last act where the <laughs> city gets smashed. That's the main event. That's what people are there for. Right. So you enjoyed that part. It wasn't a part that you had to be like, well, I've enjoyed the rest of the movie where we've seen Kong and Godzilla go about their business. And now, unfortunately, they need to fight. You enjoyed the fight. Yeah, I did enjoy the fight, um, which, um, you know, an insight that people may or may not need into how I sometimes watch movies. I often stare at corners. <laughs> <laughs> and did you but stare at corners? I did not. Like if if I'm, I watched the whole screen, this I was did. a good movie. Like if it gets to be like, oh, okay, I just need a little bit of a like stare at the corner. So I'll stare at the and corner. And you're talking about like some hyper violent movies like John Wick, right? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes for lots of if there's a lot of destruction. Yeah. Um, and it's not for a long time, and I, it just it's kind of like my little way to reset. Yeah. And be like, okay, movie Sarah, don't get overly upset. Okay, here I am. Got it. But I don't think I had to do that at all this time because I was. Very invested in the characters, and and honestly, uh, if I may make a connection, please to superhero films, please do. It's kind of like when you get to see, you know, the journey that your the hero you're watching has been on, and then I feel like that's a little bit of what we got to see with Kong in particular, right? So then I was very invested in the final fight because I'd seen this journey. Right. Yeah, the film was very much constructed to make you go along on Kong's journey. Mm -hmm. Everything from uh, napping on a barge I know. <laughs> to and, fighting for his life. Yeah, and not that I was anti-Godzilla, but I felt like this movie was more focused on the the intricacies of Kong's journey. Oh, oh. I'm not even going to say it kind of. It was. Goodness gracious, yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that in, in just one second. I, I think I um, just wanted to share for myself my overall reaction yeah. was... You know, when it was announced and when it was coming up, I was like, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll make time for that. I, you know, I wasn't sure about Godzilla in 2014. I really enjoyed Kong, uh, Skull Island. Uh, and then as people started tweeting about it, I was just like, I want that communal experience, especially since it wasn't like, like we watched a couple things that people have been tweeting about lately. Like we watched Bridgerton and Queen's Gambit, and I really enjoyed both of them, but they're this different sort of like disappear into the world and dissect it and understand the jokes and there's something about godzilla versus kong which is just like everybody watch the monsters fight and have fun and i just desperately wanted to be a part of something 
that was large, communal, and fun. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy that the movie delivered fun. Like it definitely had some ideas. Mm-hmm. It definitely made you care about Kong. It definitely had a couple of the human characters that it, it wanted you to care about or wanted you to cheer when they were <laughs> brutally squashed. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, very clearly uh, making uh, some statements and not in a, you know, elaborate or dense way. But it was really inviting you to enjoy just sort of the thrill and the fun and the weirdness. And I so needed that and I so enjoyed that. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Uh, so th- it was almost that point where like, um, it's like movie, please be, please be bonkers. Be borderline like <laughs> flawed. Make bad choices. I like I almost wanted to enjoy it on that level of just like be as out there as you possibly can. Yeah. You know. And I think it got that from things like, you know, the hollow earth and, you know, even the mm-hmm. humans, that's a, it's always a thing with monster movies where you spend too much time with the humans. That's <laughs> a part of the price we pay. Uh, but even the stuff with the humans, like none of it got to, we didn't spend too much time with any one beat mm-hmm. and there's a lot of fun and flavor. Yeah. I thought within the human stuff. So I really enjoyed uh, the, just the tone of the film. Mm hmm. Uh, So let's get into what we've been talking about, about how we were made to feel. The film told us that Godzilla was not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. They made his motivations clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the film spent almost all of its time emotionally making us like Kong. Uh, You were totally rooting for Kong. We've established that. How did you feel about Godzilla? Were you like... Yeah, no, I know you're technically okay, but you're no, I mean, you're no King Kong. A little bit. <laughs> but, I mean, so actually there's more than that because they were very, like you said, they were very clear about Godzilla's intentions and and the intentions, the um, non-positive intentions of some of the scientists toward Godzilla. Yeah, so they were manipulating it. They were manipulating Godzilla. So I did have, um, you know, some sympathy for Godzilla and some point of view with Godzilla I felt like Godzilla was being taken advantage of um and this was ruining his reputation (laughs) and all he's trying to do is protect himself right like if you found out that okay if, if you knew like my job is to be the alpha that you know stomps on other monsters mm-hmm. and and protects the world mm-hmm. and now some asshole is building a robot version of me would you go smash the robot version of you? Oh, I'd do something, yeah. <laughs> Yo, oh, I'd do something. That's a great action movie line. <laughs> I would write a stern letter. <laughs> I might. So, but but you but did that motivation was compelling? Very, very much so. Um, but but I feel like we got that motivation very much from the perspective of the humans. Yes, I'm not again, not felt. We were given that perspective from the humans that knew Godzilla. Yeah. Whereas exactly. I felt like the the display of Kong we got both from the humans but also from Kong. From Kong himself. But we not we didn't really get to see that from Godzilla until um closer to the very end. Yeah. I'm just so fascinated by the balance of like you you're selling a movie that's like these two titans and people are going to pick sides. 
and uh in you know it is Godzilla versus Kong so like it's like Godzilla's agent got his name listed first he's got top credit but then in the film he's he does not have the emotional setup um i know that uh the character the human character who is played by Millie Bobby Brown who's the character in the film i have no idea what the name is and did not look up is uh is from the previous film mm-hmm. so i think if you had seen Godzilla colon king of the monsters you could carry over that emotional weight. It seemed like that was very clear. Yeah. yeah. And you could have the you could get the emotional weight through Millie Bobby Brown who had that great like Godzilla is getting a bad rap and I feel so passionate about it. So there was a sort of access point, but you're right, it was through the human, not through Godzilla himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like even though you did have the access point to Kong through the humans, um in particular the I would say both the scientist and the young girl. And I don't know if that was set up in King Kong Skull Island or not. Uh, Kong Skull Island Kong. happens in the 70s. So okay. No. Um, I mean, the the Skull Island was set up. But, but not those characters. In the, in the human's awareness of King Kong was, but not those specific characters because okay. they would not have been alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like even though we really got the connection with the idea that Kong is good, um, Kong's main goal is not to hurt the humans. That sometimes happens, but that's not the primary instinct. We got that from the humans, but I feel like we got an at least an equal portion back from Kong's reaction, um, both you know from the containment in Skull Island, the being chained on the barge, yeah, the interactions with the little girl. Uh, I just feel like we we got to see a lot of it from. We got our human interpretation, but we also got to see it from Kong. And I feel like the movie did a really good job of uh, showing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're listening to a bunch of great examples. And I think that the movie went even farther than I think I've sometimes seen it with like the first film. The very first film is sympathetic to King Kong, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, certainly Kong Skull Island is. But this one was, was like... Okay, you you think you've seen empathy towards Kong? We're turning the empathy to 11. <laughs> there was just such a whole vibe of like Kong wants to chill. <laughs> like Kong is like your tired parent who's mm-hmm. worked 50 hours this week and it's Saturday. <laughs> and they just want some beer or some wine and to chill. To start with a character like he wakes up and kind of tired, literally scratches his ass in his <laughs> walking just to like, all right, oh, another day. What am I going to eat? Oh, yeah, don't really like being in this cage, but what are you going to do? Uh, Got to get on with my day. Like, that's the starting point that humanizes him so much. And then I just, I loved that so many of the beats were just like, uh, I, I like the general story of like, well, all the, these kaiju all come from this, hollow earth place and it is natural for them they need to assert themselves they desire to be the alpha godzilla will sense him and if we take kong off skull island godzilla will just come to kick his ass Mm -hmm. and so you kind of know that kong is going to respond to that he also wants to be the alpha right but then you know you you give him some (laughs) heavy sleeping pills and chain him on a barge and you know just because you exist godzilla's coming to kick your ass and you're at sea where you're disadvantaged. 
Yeah, right. You know, like it's so all of the normal kind of building blocks of a connection to a human, and they even take that farther with the fact that it's a young girl and she's taught him, you know, to to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much. It's almost like it, this movie almost feels like there was a first draft, and people were like, "No, not enough empathy for Kong." <laughs> this whole movie is about empathy for Kong. It's a more accurate title than Godzilla versus Kong. Is just empathy for Kong, and then that that great journey to the Hollow Earth, and all of this stuff that has this like fun fantasy and magic, where he's sort of rediscovering where he came from, and you know sees that his hand matches this ancient print and a you know a, a door opens yeah and it's all this great magical mystical stuff but all it sort of builds to is that door opens and i was just sort of like this is like his uh chill out ape cave that like he built in his garage was like the vibe is like axe cool that belongs to my ancestors that's mine what do i do now uh, sit on a throne. <laughs> I just like I expected them to pull out like an end table for him to put <laughs> his big gorilla feet on. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be perfect. It was just so much about him chilling. Yeah, and I think that's for me what really put it over the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were there were several scenes, uh, obviously, where Kong got relaxed, like I was just talking about. Would you watch a fake documentary that's just Kong? sitting on that throne in the hollow earth playing with the axe eating things like would you watch a just a documentary about king kong going about his business mm. <laughs> i mean we know you know i'm a fan <clears throat> of documentaries yeah of nature documentaries in particular i mean possibly I, it would kind of depend on what the focus is if it's just like um you know like the slow video movement so if it's just like here are four hours of Kong just sitting. <laughs> Probably not. But if it were like a documentary of here's the cave and here's some information and oh, look, here's the axe. And now we're just going to watch him sit for a few minutes. But now he's going to get up. Why is that? Oh, look, now he's going to go sit in this other chair. His palm fat matches another palm. Like if there were some interesting commentary, I guess, or okay. um, exploration of Let what me- things might, might mean. Okay, fair enough. I think that's a, a fair answer that you would not want to watch hours of Kong just sitting on his throne. But would you watch David Attenborough's Planet Hollow Earth? That was a documentary about the other kaiju that live there, how Kong deals with them, how they're, you know, kaiju's weird <laughs> mating dance if they mate. Yes, and why is it not already out there? They should really put that out there. This is why we need physical media to stay popular because that's the kind of thing that would have been a special feature back in the day right yeah Yeah. no i'm 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 pretty much always up for nature documentaries about uh imaginary worlds (laughs) fair enough real world and imaginary world (laughs) so uh this is something that you and i discussed a little bit in person not on microphones but i want to discuss it on microphones so in that big final battle uh, Godzilla legitimately beat Kong, right? He didn't yep. cheat or anything. He legitimately beat Kong. Yep, he won. And then Mechagodzilla shows up. Uh, a nice blonde man from True Blood uses the... <laughs> one of the Scars guards uh, uses uh, the weird Hollow Earth ship to basically give him a little electric shock to, to get Kong's heart going, right? Yep. And Kong's back in the, in the battle. And then, you know, 
Kong and Godzilla work together to kick Mecha Godzilla's ass, and then ultimately Godzilla powers up Kong's axe, and then Kong gets to kick Mega Godzilla's ass right with the powered yeah. up axe. Um, and then once it's all said and done, the big battle is done. Uh, almost all of the city is gone, <laughs> smashed over and destroyed. Goodbye, Hong Kong. Mecha Godzilla is, is done. Then there's that moment where Godzilla and Kong kind of look at each other and do like a good game, like nod at one another, like mm-hmm. nice job. Uh, and then Godzilla leaves. Yep. So here is the question. Did Godzilla walk away because they worked together to kick Mecha Godzilla's ass? Or did he walk away because Godzilla was like, I kicked your ass, Kong. So we both know I'm the alpha. Mm, I think both. <laughs> you think both, right? Yeah, because Godzilla knows he won the fight. Yeah. But at the same time, there are also allies who work together against Mechagodzilla. So they can stay allies Godzilla doesn't need to knock Kong down until he is unconscious again. No, because he already did it once. He already he did it. He's the alpha. And also they've shown they can work together toward other um, threats. So I think it's a little bit of both. Like Godzilla feels safe, but also knows that this person, that they have each other's back in the instance of another, you know, larger threat. Yeah. Or maybe, and this is, there's no evidence for this in the film. <laughs> <laughs> this is pure headcanon. I'm excited. Maybe in that moment where they had that little like good game, look at one another, maybe they both accepted that neither was the alpha. Mecha Godzilla was the alpha, and only by working together did they restore balance. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to believe. I want them to have looked at each other and went, this alpha system, it's no good. Right. It's not helping anybody. Let's let's just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that both you and I had that like the I, I think what's funny to me about it is the film is constructed in such a way as it's like, okay, well Godzilla not knocked Kong out, but Godzilla was getting his ass handed to him by Mecha Godzilla. And only by Kong getting up did they, you know, manage to to win. And then that real, like, very straightforward, you know, Godzilla uses atomic breath to power up kong's axe so mm-hmm. it's there when he kicks uh mecha godzilla's ass so it it is a real working together and the film really builds it up to that like and they learn to work together like it's a children's book oh yeah but then there's that still like but you set up the alpha thing so strong so it sets up this like almost sitcom level thing like if it was an actual sitcom i feel like kong would turn to his friends and go he realized we're both the alpha and godzilla would turn to his friends and go I'm only leaving because I kicked his ass and I am the alpha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're both in high school, this fight is coming back again. <laughs> yeah. And there might be a Godzilla versus Kong, too. Whoops. Yep. We forgot to figure out who was the alpha. <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla this time. Godzilla versus Kong. Room. Kong versus Godzilla. Yes. Room for alpha confusion. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I thought it was just sort of fascinating in this. Like, yeah, let's let's just have fun with it. If it's the. You know, there are definitely some themes and ideas, but they're not that deep. And it's all about fun, right? Mm -hmm. And a part of the fun is who's going to win. It's like, well, Godzilla wins the credits battle. King Kong wins the empathy battle. Mm -hmm. Godzilla wins, 
you know, the actual major fight. But then they kind of work together to fight Mechagodzilla, but Kong gets the real, like, show-stopping victory of cutting him apart with an axe. Totally. It's just such a fun, like, ping-pong ball of how can we almost set up fans to sit and debate about who really won. (laughs) Yeah. Because you can look at it from all these different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the theme that was there, which was quite clear because they said it out loud several times, is about being the alpha. You know, uh, Godzilla had to fight Kong as soon as he left Skull Island. And the humans who owned the giant corporation that built Mechagodzilla wanted to do that to prove humanity's dominance, right? And then ultimately, Godzilla and Kong unite uh, against Mechagodzilla and uh, and kick his ass, as I've said now 17 times on this podcast. <laughs> is the theme of the film to you that a giant lizard and giant apes are better at teamwork than humanity. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> it's it's that humanity in small doses is good at teamwork because you've got all these different Ooh. teams. You've got you've got the Godzilla and King Kong. You've got the team of Millie Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown and her two teammates. You've got the team um, that's pro Kong. The scientist and the other scientist and the hollow earth scientist and the yeah. young girl. So it, I think it says that three people is the proper number for a team. <laughs> Two to three people. <laughs> Two to three people. Anything beyond that is that's, chaos. That's the lesson. Yeah. Anything beyond that is greed. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> uh, joke. I mean, sorry. Uh, let me say this again. Clearly. Uh I'm having a lot of fun joking about Godzilla being like, yeah, well, I'll leave because I was the alpha. But I feel like the the film, while not being even remotely deep uh, in, in the way it expressed it, really touched on some ideas that I'm very interested in of like the uh, humans understanding, like we've got enough understanding of this kaiju world to know that they are uh, sort of... Um, driven to prove who the alpha is Mm -hmm. okay well i will spend a bunch of money and and to prove humans are the alpha and oh by the way in order to do that i need to steal some of their power like that's the whole hollow earth thing of like humans are actually the best because we can figure out how to steal other beings power (laughs) it's it's the mechagodzilla so impressive you built that but it isn't going to truly work until you power it up with kaiju energy from the hollow earth Mm -hmm. um so that's just like a great picture of like, yes, we know this about ourselves, about humanity, that this is a negative drive to dominate everything that we see and meet. And it is leading to some not great things in our real world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then to transfer that to this kind of classic, which monster is going to win fight and have the, the battle be, okay, humanity and its hubris in this uh, mechanized... Uh, stealing of our natural power is going to beat us both unless we work together, unless I use my breath to power up your axe. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even, I think even early on the, 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 I remember saying to you of like, it's kind of isn't fair. Godzilla has his atomic breath and King Kong needs something to counter that. And I like yeah, said that out loud kind of as a joke mm-hmm. and then we got to hello earth and like, oh, he's got an axe. Yep. <laughs> That's his thing. There we go. So that was his counter, but then they merged into this uh, one power. So the fact that this big smash em up fun popcorn movie did kind of end on this beat of 
sometimes what is better is to realize that competition itself is a is a lose-lose scenario mm. and I've just been so focused on that idea that I don't know I've talked about it on the on the podcast before about being just really concerned about competition mm-hmm. um, and you and I were talking in fact after the movie about uh, every time I talk about being concerned about competition I don't want to offend people who like sports Mm-hmm. or trivia shows or spelling bees and like i i think competition is good i think they're like i think we crave uh to train hard and excel and then i think we crave as humans to watch conflict mm-hmm. uh and sometimes that means watching a giant ape and a giant lizard punch each other and sometimes that means a real human thing of who's better at golf yeah and and we have a natural need i think for competition mm-hmm. but uh, as i keep thinking about this i think what bothers me is I think everything from sports to a spelling bee is a great place to put that energy. And I feel like what happens in society is a lot is we take competition and sports metaphors and apply them to everything. Yeah. <laughs> like who gets out of a parking lot first or, you know, much more serious things that I don't feel like listing right now mm-hmm. of everything being competitive is destructive because it it eventually makes you always think of if everything is a competition, that means if if you win, somebody else loses and vice versa. And that yeah. is not, I think, the healthiest way to live because I think we're all in this together. And often when we help each other, it is better for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, wrestling with how, how I feel comfortable expressing. And I was just like pleasantly surprised that a big fun punch-in movie that is entirely framed around conflict. It has the word versus in the title. Yeah. Had this as its ultimate message. Mm-hmm. Not not super nuanced, not super subtle, but there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. I have been monologuing. Do, do you have any thoughts about the sort of message of competition and and the uh, the desire to be an alpha? Yeah, I mean, I I think it is really interesting how you take, I'm just going to kind of uh, re-say some of what you just said, so sorry. But um, but that idea, I think one of the things that you pulled out is that they've studied these, cre- these creatures and know that they want to be alphas, and there's that human tendency to be alphas, but you, you see it so clearly with the, the, the company and their, you know, shadow levels that nobody knows about, and kind of like their need to prove that no they are actually the alpha on top of these alpha creatures and on top of you know at the detriment of all of the other people around them half of whom are the people who helped work to build this company but yeah who cares because we're going to be the alpha so I, I do think it's it was very interesting because i feel like it it addressed some of those ideas of of competition and of working together and when is competition destructive both very overtly, but also with, uh, here it comes, but we also with a lot of nuance. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I feel like there were also layers and depths to it that came, you know, it's on the surface, but it's also there in a lot of different ways that you can interpret it. Yeah. And I think that was a successful part of the Godzilla story to me that they framed him into looking like a threat that needed to be blocked. Mm-hmm. So you've got this great, set up where 
the corporation, in theory, had it all worked, could kind of publicly claim, look, defense from the scary other. Right. It, but in reality, it was just this empty, gross, bad instinct to be the best. Yep. Even if it hurt lots of other people. Yep. And what you need are your friends and allies, like Millie Bobby Brown and friends, mm-hmm. to say, that's not what should be happening. That's not Godzilla. We need to figure out what's actually going on. Exactly. Let's talk about those humans, shall we? <laughs> so uh, the human characters do ultimately work together, uh, partially led by a podcaster. So my big question for you is, are podcasters the true heroes of humanity? <laughs> you know, like everything I'm going to say, there can be a good and a not as good side. <laughs> which, 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 which are we? Oh, well, we're the good. Okay. Yeah. I will have to prove that with our actions. We will yes. have to prove that with our actions. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, that was a that was a delightful Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you like the... So how did you feel about like the level of both comedy and drama? Because there are definitely some moments mm-hmm. where we're, we're meant to, to feel about the human situation. And then there are moments where we're definitely supposed to laugh. Like, you know, the, the podcaster was portrayed as both uh, had some fun jokes about the sort of the the paranoid conspiracy theory person, but also uh, he was right about most things and it was his, his being proactive and teaming up with Millie Bobby Brown and the, uh, the other character that they called uh, tap water. Cause he was willing to drink tap water right. uh, that he portrayed both comically, but also like ultimately like kind of root for him. Cause in the world of this film, he is correct. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you feel, how did you like the tone of the, the, the comedy? Oh, I thought it worked really well. I thought it was all very well balanced. Yeah. Um, which is the thing that I, it's to my personal taste of, you know, like you get some drama, you get some comedy. I like when it doesn't, I believe that you can have both in one film. Crazy. Um, so I really, I enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 I, I did too. I thought that was one of the things that gave it that spirit of fun. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, these ideas that, you know, if you want to concentrate on these ideas, uh, great, but we are out, this film is out to have a good time. And that includes making the humans likable and you know ultimately correct but still you can poke fun at them absolutely and you need i feel like especially for this movie where like you're saying a lot of for a lot of people you know they enjoy the entire movie but you're there for the big final scenes but you want that sense of fun and adventure along the way and to me part of keep with something that has high stakes you want to keep it fun and adventurous and one of the ways to do that is to keep the comedy going throughout yeah so it's not just comedy it's not just like you know, punch, 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 but it has the comedy and the drama really well balanced throughout the entire film. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it did a very good, a very skilled job at that. Yeah. Cause there's definitely some dramatic moments where like, I'm so concerned for a sleepy calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, I like the comedy and I also just like that. Um, what was going on ultimately was like a search for knowledge. Yeah. Was that this idea that they, we, we need to know what's really going on in order to deal with it. And that was their, you know, great adventure of taking the the you know weird shuttle, <laughs> yeah. uh, the the hyperloop uh, underground train and all that, mm-hmm. uh, the podcaster team, and I just I liked it because it was you know a big loud noisy action film where like the human heroes on that side of it were just like uh, their whistleblowers, yeah, like that, he, totally. That guy was like ultimately like he's a whistleblower. That's yeah. what he is, mm-hmm. you know. And it is, 
it that is a uh, I don't think anybody would look necessarily at Godzilla versus Kong and go like, "Wow, this is ripped from the headlines." But if you want to look at it that way, it is. He's a whistleblower. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, moving on. Uh, was there too much time spent with the humans? Uh which is as I've said, a classic kaiju movie complaint where you like get these damn tiny humans off my screen and take me back to the monsters um for me there wasn't but you know we've already talked about that this is not this is not an area where i have a lot of background so my way into this film was through the humans and so i enjoyed having my guides there with me okay was there any particular human that you liked more than others i really liked the the scientist lady um on skull island yeah tell me about it why <laughs> I just I liked I liked how um she both seemed to she both seemed to trust science and also trust her gut and intuition mm-hmm. and I feel like they did a really good job of showing the combination of the two I realized that you know gut and intuition are not scientific methods <laughs> but she's dealing with a creature not with a scientific you know theorem or something and so I just I I just really enjoyed that interpretation yeah. of how she was portrayed, of um, of her willingness and belief to trust this other scientist, of her of her absolute belief in her daughter um, that she had, you know, I think basically like adopted as um, mm-hmm. part of the story we were told, and um, just her absolute belief that her daughter had this um, understanding of Kong. In a different way. Yeah. And, and then that just, even escalates by the revelation that you've taught him to fully communicate with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just that acceptance um, of that while still also being very kind of aware of the world and the aware that Godzilla's coming and just like, okay, I don't want to go to Hollow Earth, but we need to go. So I guess we'll go. I just, I really liked um, I thought she gave a really interesting perspective. Yeah, there's so much great stuff there. If if I may, yeah, I think I think sometimes we like characters because they are someone we aspire to be, and I think sometimes we like characters because they're they're similar to who we are. And I think that she was kind of similar to who you are in a good way. Mm. That like you. Uh, through our life together have been in in charge of lots of things uh, from different jobs where you've been in charge of a site or, you know, uh, stage managing or, you know, when we had a theater company, you you would really kind of take care of, uh, I would take care of the creative stuff, but like business wise in front of house, you would take care of stuff. You are very good at knowing everything that's going on and communicating that to other people. So it's very strange in this big, kaiju movie but it's like (laughs) i'm not at all surprised i hadn't thought about this before we were talking about this because i didn't know who you were going to say when i asked you your favorite human we haven't talked about this but as soon as you started talking i was like yeah well that's the sarah character because she's just (laughs) like i am uh the manager of skull island (laughs) i am aware of kong his needs and his wants and the rules surrounding him and i'm just trying to tell everybody else the obvious data that I have painstakingly uh, collected and yeah. this is how it's going to go. I'll work with you, but I'm just telling you, if you do X, Y is going to happen. It's, it is, it is so you in a great way. Yeah. 
Is that a boring choice? I'm sorry. But no. I do it's actually. A great way. It's a great choice because it makes me think about the character and appreciate the character more. Because she is the one who's really like, I have spent the time. I have you no. Know, I have the data. I have done the research. I know what's going to happen when we take Kong off the island. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um. And I, I take your point and thank you for saying that you think she's like me. I take that as a compliment. It is. It's a huge compliment because I would say like, yes, that she is a type of person that I aspire to be like. So that is very true. And I, another thing that I really liked about her, which is another thing that I aspire to and sometimes do better than others, is she also had that um, continuing belief that there is more knowledge to be gained and an interest in learning more. Right, like she was fascinated by Hollow Earth, right? Yeah, and even just like learning more about Kong and learning more about from these other people. Like she was confident in her knowledge, but it wasn't confident in her knowledge and full stop, this is the knowledge. It was very much that spirit. I think, you know, truly the like kind of scientific exploration of, you know, what else, what else is there? What else can I learn? What else can I know? Right. Um, And and it wasn't just like me. It was for the benefit of kong for the benefit of humanity for the benefit of others for the benefit of knowledge right Mm -hmm. yeah when she learns that her daughter can communicate it's like pride and amazement absolutely right and like great this is a huge new data set to add wonderful yeah but there wasn't any of that sort of controlling it wasn't controlling like mad that like i didn't figure it out it was just like cool a new vista of knowledge yeah and i think and i like the vista of knowledge better than data set personally because i feel like (laughs) to her it wasn't just um, math and science there's right. more to it than that and I feel like a lot of times kind of the quote scientist character is portrayed as thinking they know everything right so I liked this different approach yeah and I really liked that it was it was this great way to even deepen the relationship between Kong and the child mm-hmm. it was a another way to make us super empathize with Kong uh, yeah. But then it it plays off so well at the end where they they, they get to where Kong can see them like you need to kick Mecha Godzilla's ass, right? <laughs> that, that communication is set up so well to be like not Godzilla, kick yeah. Metal Godzilla's right. ass. Like, Godzilla is friend. Like, Thumbs up, got it. <laughs> I'll axe the crap out of him. Uh, yeah, that's that uh, absolutely great. Yeah. Um, who was your favorite human? Oh, you know, I liked them all. I think I liked the I liked the podcaster. I thought the podcaster was funny, and I I really did appreciate uh, the balance from like the sort of the the big bold. Let's have poke fun at him for being a conspiracy theorist and the tap water joke, but then let's also make him be like, but he's right and he's brave, and you know he he set a lot of important stuff in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we didn't get to spend a lot of time with him, but I know we are both uh, fans of Kyle Chandler. Mm-hmm. And in a generally you know, pretty bonkers movie, it is making us care about characters in that, but there's some parts that are really bonkers. And his role is to mostly just be like, I'm serious and I'm worried about my daughter. And to, so there's this funny contrast of like, everybody else gets to be kind of be a little bit bonkers or see wonderful things. And he's just sort of like back at base camp being mildly concerned, which... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> mildly concerned and paternal, which he is great at. Uh, I was introduced to him from Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I will never have not have the uh, when I see him the Friday Night Lights uh, uh, mantra of you know clear eyes, full hearts uh, can't lose. Yeah, 
like I saw him <laughs> and I was just like atomic breath giant axe can't lose like that's <laughs> that's how I filter him when I see oh, him I love it uh, so it was I, I kind of wish he had more to do but it was it was fun to see him yeah 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 I will always be happy to see him in things uh, as you know because I uh originally saw him in the the tv show Homefront, which was on in the early 90s um when he was not the coach he was the young player who needed advice from the coach and uh that is a show that is near and dear to my heart and and someday yeah. I'll, we'll find the episodes you'll get to watch them and then we'll talk about it in front of podcast in front of microphones yeah this has been a long-term obsession because john slattery is also in it right yep yep and uh i and i once i told you this a while ago I once tried to buy you the knockoff DVDs and it was just a total criminal enterprise. It was like, because <laughs> nothing even ever real. came, right? Yeah, no, nothing yeah. ever came. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that is incredibly sweet of you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like a one season show, right? Which two seasons. Two seasons is set. It, the, the setup is that it is dealing with coming home from World War II, right? Yeah. So I think it was, it's probably, uh, there's a lot of music, chock in full it. of music, like, mm-hmm. right? To clear. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, fingers crossed for that, because yes. it'll definitely be an obsessed episode about that. Absolutely. But fans of Homefront out there, I am with you. <laughs> um, just a few more questions here. Would you visit Hollow Earth if they had a bed and breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I even need the bed and breakfast, but... You just, but, you would rough well, it. Well, actually, I mean, I want some con- protection from those kaiju. Yeah, because they're, yeah. I mean, that was one of our moments of action where Kong's like, Cool, beautiful. Where I come from? Oh, gotta fight these uh, flying dudes. Yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, I would stay in the bed and breakfast that's like adjacent to where Kong sits. Yeah, I did not see it. I've only seen people tweet about it. Apparently, there is a small human-sized door at the base of Kong's throne. Oh, seriously? <laughs> Which maybe that's how you get to the bed and breakfast. Oh, if there yeah. was a bed and breakfast under Kong's throne, and like you, you're in the morning, you're eating your. Your uh, full English breakfast, vegetarian version for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, boom, you hear Kong sit down on the throne and the, the ceiling rattles. You'd be like, cool. Totally. As long as Kong knew that we were there and was okay with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think know. Kong's going to attack his own throne. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I want permission. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I don't okay. want to be attacked. <laughs> right. We would make reservations. Right. <laughs> with the, uh, the the young kid who is, I'm sure, the concierge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, we talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to check in. So I know you are sometimes troubled by this, uh, the destruction of lots of cities and buildings. Yeah. And that was one of the barriers to, at first I was going to watch this alone and then I really wanted to share it with you. And I was like, that's kind of the point of movies like this. There's going to be a lot of buildings smashed Mm -hmm. and you weren't too bothered. Is that correct? That is correct. Why do you think that was? Because I think the, the fights where all the buildings were smashed, um, we're very much about Kong and Godzilla, or later Kong, Godzilla, and Mechagodzilla. They were not about the destruction. Right. Um, plus, ahead of time, we had seen that people went to their kaiju shelters. And then afterwards, we saw everybody, not everybody, but we saw a lot of people escape. So even though it, I think it just felt um, heightened enough rather than real world mm-hmm. for that part of it, that what we were seeing in those scenes with all the destruction were not the people running away. Right. It didn't, it wasn't putting an emphasis on human suffering. Right. If anything, it was giving you a little bit of an out by, by having the world building of like, 
the world knows that this happens sometimes. So, in mm-hmm. fact, big cities have kaiju shelters. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to just like take your mind out of it, you can say everybody got to the kaiju shelter. There's nobody in that <laughs> building, right? Yep. And they're fine. They know that their houses are all going to fall down. This is just their lives. We right. all have different lives. That's fine. <laughs> we all have different lives. <laughs> um, and that's the choice when you live in a city with lots of buildings to slam into. Yeah. And yeah, no, I was really curious even during the movie how I was going to react to it. And I think sometimes it's just my mindset going in also. I yeah. knew that. Not like I need to be like, oh, this is going to happen. But it wasn't a surprise. Like, I knew that was part of this film. Right. Because it's kind of like at this point with superhero movies, they've started to diversify enough that it is a roll of the dice. If you go to a random superhero movie, the finale might be a ton of building smashing or not a single building can be smashed because they're all very different now. Mm -hmm. But this movie is like it, it should be called Godzilla and Kong versus buildings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's that it the entire thing was not all buildings. So honestly, even though I was very nervous for Kong during the fight, the battle that happened in the ocean, it was kind of nice from that, um, you know, just kind of the the sensory aspect of all of the buildings falling down to have one of the fights not involve a bunch of buildings falling down. Right, right. And I don't have the same kind of reaction to, you know, a lot of the ships were were smashed. But it's not the same kind of thing. And you, you know, assume that the fish and whales and things get out of the way. <laughs> but, but honestly, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I'm just adding that now because it's I fun. I would have loved it if there was like a giant, giant whale. It was like, excuse me, guys. <laughs> yeah. So I think kind of the variety too. So you're really building up to the the big fight in the city. You know, you've got the the thing at the beginning with Godzilla, but it wasn't, it wasn't nonstop the entire building. So by the end, you've already reached like, for me... I think it's just that my um, my saturation point for big building smashes is just a little bit lower. Yeah. And so I hadn't already reached that threshold by the time we got to the big, the start of the big fight right. at the end. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, here's my, my final question for you. Mm-hmm. If we had a magic horn and we could blow for help and either King Kong or Godzilla would show up, who would you call for help? Oh, well, I mean, after this movie, it's Kong. <laughs> and also, we live in a big city, so I'd be terrified to call him because I don't want the buildings here to get smashed. No, no. Tiptoe. Tiptoe right. through L.A., Kong. That's right. I feel like, <laughs> that building's ugly, but that building's really important to us, so don't. Do not touch the Capitol Records exactly. building, Kong. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, that, that was the, one of the other kind of major uh, kaiju exposures when I was a kid. There was a weird Godzilla cartoon. Um, very, very 80s and... It was like I I haven't watched it in you know forever. Uh, I think it's the same animation, but I can't remember. It was the humans got into trouble, and Godzilla was very much the friend. And like they were always in trouble, and they're always on the ocean. They always got Godzilla, and I think it was the same animation of Godzilla popping up and helping. But that, that's where that came from in my mind. Of like uh, there is framings of these stories where like, but there are there are buddies, and you just call them if you need help. Yeah, <laughs> who would you call? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I am empathizing with Kong right now, but we are, you know, we are on an ocean. So if you could just be like, Godzilla, could you just pop up out of the ocean mm-hmm. and, you know, don't smash anything, you know, yeah. but there is this one problem. Could you take care of it? Yeah. Just walk carefully down Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, if you could yeah. just really make your atomic breath, just a tiny little point, <laughs> <laughs> just a little warning shot at people who are misbehaving. <laughs> Yeah, but I yeah, the, this this film was such a great Kong film. Yeah. Uh, I I'm 
after watching it, I was like, yeah, you know, uh, even if it's not the best film ever, I think I'm going to go watch uh, Godzilla King of Monsters and and see what that was like. Yeah, now I'm I'm much more interested in that movie also now having watched this one. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more on the uh, dealing with the weighty themes of Godzilla, but still, I'm, I'd be curious to see it uh, because I think Kyle Chandler is in it, so <laughs> we can enjoy that. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or ideas you wanted to share about uh, Godzilla versus Kong? Uh, no, I think we've covered them all. Excellent. Would you like to make a noise to sum up your reaction to this film? Oh, goodness. This one has so many noises. It's kind of hard. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what was that? A bunch of monsters and maybe some influence of ocean and a bunch of glass smashing to the ground. Nice. And, And it ended in a very like a very peaceful sigh type noise. Yeah, the the glass was sighing toward the ground. (laughs) Sighing towards the ground. So neither of you are, neither of you, neither of us, (laughs) excuse me, uh, neither of us, if there's two of you, please let me know, uh, are super obsessed with this film. Like, this is not going to be like our favorite film ever. We are not going to watch this three times a year. Right. So uh, instead of an obsessed rating, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have you do a general uh, movie ranking. Oh, or rating yeah. from uh, one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. Where would you put this uh, as a film? Where would you uh, rate this? What number would oh, you give it? Oh, wow. Goodness. I'm, um, I would rate it very high within <laughs> the genre of Godzilla King Kong movies. I'll give it. An eight. An eight. Wow. You often go for seven. So I, I, I thought you're going to go for seven, but you went all the way to an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say for me, like my actual kaiju monster movie obsession is like, uh, it's maybe a six. I, I really like them. I enjoy them. I think about them. Not an expert. Um, but this particular movie, I think just because it was exactly what it said it was going to be on the tin mm-hmm. and I needed it kind of think as a communal experience we needed it mm-hmm. i think there's something so i'm gonna go nine. nine nice and then my final thought will just be you know there are so many big genre science fiction fantasy horror things that uh that i love and that i'm happy that other people love and i get to share with them uh but the sort of emergence in the popularity of it means that for things like you know star wars and star trek and now i think we're even getting to that point with mcu and certainly there with the dc where the idea of creating a version of any of those things to pander to the audience is absurd because the audience wants different things Mm -hmm. so there's this joy that all these things i love are incredibly popular but they also come a little bit with that like but no matter what there's going to be a vocal contingent who think well like but that's not the way it should be because blah 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 or this one was better that like there's this energy that's going to come with it there's a little bit of negative energy that's going to come with it no matter what Mm, yeah and this was fun to see like i'm not deep enough i don't i'm not on a bunch of kaiju face group facebook groups maybe there are people who are furious about this film but my general experience of it was this movie said it was going to be big and fun and it was and people got to have that experience yeah. And that was really nice. Yeah. Plus, for a lot of people, I think it was probably their first movie back in a movie theater. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, particularly people who are like, yeah, vaccinated and movie theaters have been yeah. open in your area for a while. And like, I can generally be here and feel feel good about it and munch on that popcorn. And it being yeah. a popcorn movie is literal for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I really enjoyed our experience of watching it at home. Yeah, and I, I personally, you know, I'm not going to have any big strong opinion about good, bad, or otherwise for the industry. But just for right now in the moment we're in, it's really great to, again, have that communal experience of like if you're, yeah, theaters still aren't open here in Los Angeles. We couldn't choose to go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe that's not true. I don't Some know. Some of them are open. Some, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yep. Some of them are open at limited capacity. Yeah. The movie theater that we love is not yet open. Uh, my bias. But anyway, the point being, it was really nice to have people be able to go to the theater if they could. And then people still stay at home and everybody have a communal experience mm-hmm. yeah, at the same time. Yeah. All right, we are going to wrap up with some plugs. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on uh, Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And finally, if you're already on HBO Max to watch Godzilla vs. Kong, you can check out the uh, weird fantasy comedy show that I write for, Tigtone. Both seasons are streaming on HBO Max. All right. You ready for final questions? Yes, I am. If you could see a movie with any kind of animal as a giant monster, what animal would you pick? A platypus. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would the platypus's uh, uh, name be? Uh, goodness. <laughs> I was going to... Um, uh, I was just going to be like, Plata, but... Uh, <laughs> Plato. Play. Plato, the ass-kicking platypus. I yeah. like that. That's great. What were you going to say? I, I was trying to figure out something in that direction. Okay. I, I had gotten as far as platy and realized that didn't make any sense. <laughs> Platy. <laughs> Sometimes the first instinct is good. Um, <laughs> once it's safe for everyone to be dining indoors again, what food are you looking forward to eating in public? Oh, wow. Gosh. So many uh, foods. Um, eating in public food. Um, yeah, what will taste better if you know other people are watching? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing really. Um, I am looking forward to. I, I think I probably say this in response to all of your food questions. I'm looking forward to eating some too much bread that's on the table before the main course. <laughs> You're right. That is an experience that you could maybe recreate at home, but would be hard. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to just set out bread in front of our television and go, oh, yeah, our main dish will be ready soon, but now. <laughs> For now, here's some bread and olive oil. <laughs> go to town. All right. Well, maybe we can do that. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, some eating in our real life. Yeah. We're not going to eat on the podcast. <laughs> No, <laughs> we're not monsters like that. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Happiness, I think you hit it on the head with um, when you're talking about the film overall. It delivered what was on the tin. Yeah. And I feel like having uh, experiences that del- that say what they are and they deliver what they are on the tin. Yeah, it's just a really nice feeling. Sometimes, especially since we've been going through a time of like great uncertainty to just have something like I am an orange square 
And they're like, I bought this orange square and it's an orange square. Right. And <laughs> it's going to still be an orange square. Yeah. And it's what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> that is so great. Uh, and that is happiness for this week. For this week. Is, uh, the things being what they say on the tin. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, if you could have either Godzilla or Kong serenade you a rock song, (laughs) who and what song? Ooh, that's really, really difficult. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit Uh and say... I want uh I want Kong uh to sing Welcome to the Jungle, but change the lyrics to Welcome to Skull Island, whether it fits or not. He can okay. he can rush the syllables together. And then I want Godzilla to be wearing sunglasses and uh playing air guitar while making the guitar noises <laughs> with his mouth. I love it. <laughs>